In a few minutes, we're going to be taking communion together, and I'm really looking forward to doing that. I want to talk to you a little bit about pain. That is a series that we have been going through here in the last uh, couple of Sundays. I would like to ask you, if you would, to open your Bibles to John chapter 4. We're going to look at chapter 4, chapter 5, chapter 6. We're going to kind of follow Jesus through three chapters of the Gospel of John. And as always, there is a Bible app event for this sermon, so I hope that you'll be able to follow along on that. Uh, It makes it easy. All the passages will be there, but I'll also read them to you and mention them as well. I want to begin by talking to you about a friend of mine named Ricky. It's not his real name, but he's a real person. And he's not even just one person, although I'm just going to tell you Ricky's story. When I got to the end of writing it out, I realized I've known a lot of Rickies, a lot of Rickies through my life. Ricky was a pastor who took over a new church. They called it a church plant. It had been planted a few years earlier, and now Ricky was there to take over the helm and move forward. And Ricky was a sharp guy. He knew his Bible. He knew his Bible better than I knew my Bible back then. And uh, he could he could page through it and find things that were applicable and helpful to his people. And Ricky knew people. He had worked in the marketplace, and he knew how to get along with people, how to interact with people. He could tell what people were thinking and help them in that way. And Ricky knew how to preach. He knew how to write a sermon, and he knew how to deliver it with power, with conviction. He could hold your attention um, and with persuasion. And Ricky felt pretty assured that he could lead his church to growth, not just numerically, but spiritually as well. The church had been planted some years earlier, maybe four, five, six years earlier. I'm not really sure. And I think that some of the people that came into the church were carrying with them some baggage. I don't say that in a critical way. I just say it as a matter of observation. Their hearts were kind of full of suspicions, maybe from bad experiences in the past in church with anger, with some defensiveness. Basically, the people who, be not all of them, but many of the people who were involved in the start of that church were carrying a lot of pain. How would you lead people like that? People who are suspicious of leadership and people who are defensive and people who are angry. It wasn't easy. It is hard to lead people who are angry. And Ricky found it painful as well. Now, you may or may not know what I mean when I say Ricky found it painful to lead those people. You see, Ricky had poured his life into becoming a pastor. He was a second career guy, so he'd been working a regular job here and there, and he felt God's call, and he changed his course completely and became a pastor, and this was to be his first church. Additionally, Ricky moved his family. His family lived in one part of the state, and Ricky moved them to a whole different part of the state, away from his parents His wife's parents, grandmas and grandpas, there they were in this new place. He uprooted his wife and children to care for this congregation. And Ricky, like every good pastor, gave his heart to the ministry and to these people. He genuinely loved them. If you've experienced opposition and rejection from people that you poured your life into, then you understand Ricky's pain. And Ricky's pain actually begged the question that is on the screen right now. Ricky, how in tune with God are you, really? After a couple of years, Ricky resigns, and he moves to another church, and he's been wounded. He's not going in with the optimism he went into the last church with. In fact, he's going in with some pain and some pessimism. And he's a little oversensitive, and he's a little angry, 
and he's a lot hurting. And so after a year, maybe even less, in anger, he leaves the second church. Ricky is dealing with pain, and that pain is asking him a question. How in tune with God are you, Ricky, really? Ricky didn't have the answer. Now listen, if you're a believer and you've dealt with pain, you know that pain asks that question. You may never have said it that way before, but you know that pain tests your faith. It really tests your commitment. And for Ricky, the pain was so profound, he didn't merely leave that second church. He left the ministry. How in tune with God are you, Ricky? Really? And he didn't just leave the ministry. He left his marriage. How in tune with God are you, Ricky? Really? And he didn't just leave his marriage. Ricky left Christ. He left Christianity behind. He no longer called himself a follower of Jesus. How in tune with God are you, Ricky? Really? Pain. It asks that question, and it moved Ricky to a place he didn't want to go. It asks the question, how in tune with God are you, really? And when pain, in any any form, when it comes into your life, it's going to give you something that we've talked about before. It's going to give you that, wait, what? Moment. The wait, what moment. If you've experienced the wait what moment, you know that it often comes in times of great pain. On our prayer list this week, there's a couple that were expecting twins and more than halfway through that pregnancy. They lost them. Cannot imagine that great pain. But I can guarantee you that it came with a wait what kind of moment. And I can guarantee you that pain like that comes with a question. How in tune with God am I, really? It doesn't just come, this question we're speaking of, with great pain. I would say to you that that question can come even with small pain. You probably know people who have left the faith because of pain that in the overall scheme of things kind of seems pretty small. They had a, wait, what? Movement that, or moment rather? They had a, wait, what? Moment? It was actually pretty survivable. But when the pain asked them, how in tune with God are you really? They walked away. Here's what I want you to hear. I want you to hear that regardless of how great or how small pain is, it always asks this kind of question. From losing a loved one to losing your cell phone, you can have that wait what moment and you can, you can hear it saying, how in tune with God are you? Really? Now, it's interesting to me that when we read of the ministry of Jesus, when we hear about his interaction with people, he almost seems to provoke that, wait, what? Kind of question. And he does it in our text that we're going to look at today. Remember, we're in John 4, we're going to look there, and in John 5, and in John 6. And what we're going to see here is Jesus kind of asking people, how in tune with God are you really? Let's uh, think about John 4 for a minute. If your Bible's open, we're going to look at verse 49 in just a second. And Jesus is doing some healing here. He's going to heal an official's son. It's probably a Roman centurion. And in John 4, verse 49, it says, The royal official said, and he's speaking to Jesus, Come down before my child dies. He's asking Jesus to heal this boy. In verse 50, 
The text reads, go, Jesus replied, your son will live. The man took Jesus at his word and departed. And while he was still on the way, his servants came to meet him with the news that the boy was still living. Can you imagine how how those following Jesus, the people watching this that have been hanging out with Jesus for a while, can you imagine how they felt right here? If you ask them, hey, guys, how in tune with God are you really? They would say, we are really in tune with him. I mean, he's healing children. Do you see that? He is he is making children well, even when they're not there. It's like he's doing it by remote control or something. I'm really in tune with God. Really? Let's keep going through the text. Chapter 5, there's this lame man. He's at this pool of Bethesda. The guy's been there for 38 years, hoping to get healed. And in verse 8 of chapter 5, Jesus says to him, get up, pick up your mat, and walk. Now, the religious leadership, obviously, they're angry because they're jealous, but the people, (laughs) they are impressed. Can you imagine how they felt? Let's ask them, hey, hey, people, how in tune with God are you really? Wow, we're really in tune with God. I mean, did you see that? He just healed someone who no one's been able to heal this guy for over three decades, and Jesus comes along and does it just with a sentence. Yeah, we're really in tune with God. In the next chapter, Jesus feeds 5,000 people. He uses five loaves and two fish, and when it's all over, after he's multiplied them and fed all the people, there's a dozen basketfuls left over to be gathered up. And the people, listen to how they respond in John 6:14. After the people saw the signs Jesus performed, they began to say, surely this is the prophet who has come into the world. That's a spiritual high right there. Hey, you 5,000, you know, the ones that Jesus just just fed, how in tune with God are you really? Oh, we have never been more in tune with God than we are right now. Did you see what he just did? And then Jesus begins to bring some pain. He gives them a sort of, wait, what? Moment. And it's painful because this rabbi that they have been following, that they have been talking about, that they have been listening to, that they have really kind of pledged their hearts to in some regards, is going to say some words that are really hard to swallow. I mean, things are going pretty good. (laughs) Healing the little boy, and then the 5,000, and everything in between. But in chapter 6, verse 33, listen to what Jesus begins to say. For the bread of God is a bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. (laughs) And by verse 42, they start grumbling. They say, is this not Jesus, son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How can he now say, I came down from heaven? And Jesus doesn't let up. He actually seems to turn up the heat. And by verse 51, he's saying, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of the world. Then the Jews began to argue among themselves, how can this man give us his flesh to eat? Jesus says to them, very truly I tell you, Unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in you. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life, and I will raise them up on the last day. 
<laughs> Have you ever been drinking a glass of iced tea that had ice cubes in it? Some of them had begun to melt, getting a little smaller, but they're still pretty big. And you take a big gulp of it, and one of those goes into your mouth, and it goes down your throat, and uh-oh, that was too big. And it's stuck there. <laughs> and if you're like me, you're like, okay, I hope this thing melts before I die while it's stuck in my throat. That's, that's kind of an image of what's happening here. They have been imbibing all that Jesus has been doing and all that he's been saying. And then this comes along, you need to eat my flesh and you need to drink my blood. And they're about to choke because it's just really hard to swallow. And the first group is really angry with Jesus because that just sounds like heresy. And the second group is probably angry with Jesus because they're like, hey, I told a lot of people that you were a really good teacher. And now what are you saying? Wait, 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 what? What are you saying now, Jesus? Did this rabbi that I have been talking about and following, did he just say we have to eat his flesh and drink his blood? And the pain is real. Do you understand? The pain is real. And it's going to cause them to ask, do I want to follow this guy? (laughs) How in tune with God am I? Really? And some of them show their answer to Payne's question by verse 60. In verse 60, the scripture reads, on hearing it, many of his disciples said, this is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? Now, that phrase, hard teaching, that doesn't just mean it's a little difficult. Jemison Fawcett and Brown say it well when they say, they're not saying it's merely harsh. They're saying this is insufferable. Do you understand that? This is just something we cannot accept. And you notice that verse 60 called them disciples. They are followers of Jesus. But at that moment, his teaching brings a pain that they just can't abide to their mind. And it asks the question, how in tune with God are you? Really? Jesus kind of asks that question in verse 61 when he says, does this offend you in the latter part of that verse? And in verse 66, they reveal their answer. From this time, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Okay, we're here at communion. (laughs) Eat his flesh. Drink his blood. And just the very fact that you're here and you probably have some bread and a cup with you tells me that this does not offend you, not even a little bit. Because you have come to an understanding of the meaning of the bread and the cup as representative of Jesus, all he is and all he has done and all he does. But let me tell you this. Even though you get this, and this does not offend you, there are some, wait, what? Moments ahead of you. You will encounter pain that will ask you the question, how in tune with God am I? Really? And as we come to this communion meal, I would like to show you what the Bible says about how to prepare for that question. I just kind of want to talk to you about how to be in tune with God, really? <laughs> And I want to pull that information from these very verses we have been looking at. In John chapter 6, after thousands of people have said, I'm not following him anymore, Jesus remains with the twelve. And he says to them in verse 67, You do not want to leave me too, do you? Jesus asks the twelve. Simon Peter, who was always the most vocal, 
and often puts his foot in his mouth, does the exact opposite here. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and to know that you are the Holy One of God. You see it then, right? How can I be in tune with God, really? (laughs) Well, first, the heart that is in tune with God is a heart that hungers for the eternal. A heart that hungers for the eternal. You have the words of eternal life, Peter says at the end of verse 68. (laughs) Where should we go? Where else could we go? We hunger for that which is eternal. Where else would we find it except in you, Jesus? We can't go because we're hungry. Let me say this. If you are satisfied with the things of this world, then that is all you will get, the things of this world. But if you hunger for something more, if you hunger for God, then that is what you will get. Jesus says in Matthew 5, Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. And having a hungry heart that's in tune with God begins by hungering for the eternal things, hungering to know God personally and intimately, hungering to find forgiveness and newness of life in Jesus, hungering to live a life that is honoring to him, that is righteous, that is holy that is sanctified, that is pure. Hungering to make an eternal difference in this world, not just a difference for the moment, but a difference that you can celebrate into eternity. Hungering to know God and make him known. If you want to be in tune with God, stay hungry for the eternal. Second, Peter shows us that the heart in tune with God feeds on the words of God. You understand what he says. You have the words of eternal life, Jesus. Anyone who ever heard Jesus spoke observed that kind of thing. In fact, a chapter later than this, in John chapter 7, they send some guards to arrest Jesus, some officers to arrest him. And when they come back in 746, they say, no one ever spoke the way this man does. And he speaks today, still. He might be speaking to you right now (laughs) through these lips of clay. How crazy is that? He clearly speaks to you through his word, the Bible. He can speak to you through fellow Christians as you're talking with them. He can speak to you through Christian music, through podcasts, through Bible-based sermons, through teleconferences with your church family. He speaks, and hearts in tune with him feed on those words. And if we don't feed on those words, we will starve. Hunger for the eternal. Feed on the word of God. And third, Peter tells us, shows us, that a heart in tune with God trusts Jesus every moment. And when he says in verse 69, we have come to believe and we know that you're the Holy One of God, there's nothing casual in that statement at all. Peter isn't just saying, yeah, we kind of come to believe that maybe you're the Holy One of God. I think we want to keep following you. Oh, man, so far from what that passage shows us is going on. 
Peter is speaking with faith, not blind faith, but well-reasoned faith that says, because of what we have experienced with you, we have come to trust you, that you indeed are the Holy One of God. A heart in tune with God. Trust God. Even when it's difficult. A heart in tune with God. Trust God. Even when what is going down is, as Jemison, Fawcett, and Brown say, insufferable. A heart that trusts God, trusts Him no matter what. And as we come to communion, ask yourself, how in tune with God am I? Really? Here we are at this communion table. This is my body, Jesus says. This is my blood, Jesus says. We're going to eat his flesh and blood. And we do it without a second thought. We do it because we've always done it. We do it because we trust him. We do it because we understand the implications of it and why he established it. It is a way that we acknowledge his love for us. But the way that we demonstrate his love for him, I'm sorry, the way that we demonstrate our love for him is by being in tune with him, by being in tune with God. How in tune with God are you? Really? We answer that question when the choices we make when others are turning away from God are to stay with him. How in tune with God am I? Really, we answer that question when we respond to things that we cannot understand and sometimes feel we cannot bear with saying, nevertheless, shall I trust him? How in tune with God are you? Really, we answer it when we say, I will follow even when pain rears its ugly head. As we celebrate communion today, I want you to consider those three bullet points on this previous slide. Are you hungering for the eternal? Are you feeding on the word of God? Are you trusting in the person of Christ? We're going to celebrate the Lord's Supper together. We're going to take the bread. The Lord Jesus on the night he was betrayed took the bread and he said, this is my body, which is for you. I'm going to ask you to hold your portion until all have been served. We're going to pray a prayer of thanks for the body of Christ, and then we'll take it together. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we uh, just thank you and give you praise for this opportunity again to come to the table. Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who uh, gave his life for us and died on the cross for our sins, Lord. We just thank you that... uh, that we have an opportunity to uh, accept Jesus into our heart and into our lives and just remember what he did for us on the cross. As we take this element, Lord, I just pray that we give thanks to him for what he did for us. For it is in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The body of Christ. And afterward, the scripture says that he took the cup. The cup <laughs> represents his blood. Drink my blood. His blood is poured out for your sin. And as you take it, you take it remembering this great sacrifice that he has made for you. I'm going to ask you to hold your portion. And then we're going to pray together, thanking God for the blood of Christ. Father, we lift up this cup to you this morning in remembrance of the sacrifice that you made on our behalf. 
a sacrifice that is hard for us to humanly understand, Lord, and we are ever so grateful. I pray that you be with us today and going forward. I ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Let us take it together. And when they had sung a hymn, they went out to the Mount of Olives. Let's conclude our time in worship together.